We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get started in today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Backliners podcast, Agro and Barracuda, as per usual. But today, joined by the back-to-back, the two-time, the 2019-2020 Smite World Champion, it's Zap, man. Zap, thanks for for coming on the show. Listen, I had a lot of fun calling you the champ, Zap, you know, defending world champion, all that kind of stuff. Now I've got to do it for a whole... A whole nother year and now it's gonna the intro has got to be even longer just about every time uh <laughs> it's uh it's a good spot to be in though we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about the finals eventually but i want to talk to both of you guys about coming into worlds because both of you guys have have gone to plenty uh, uh, of big tournaments gone to world championships before all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. 
How uh, how was this year's prep in comparison to, to years past? Barrow, we can start with you. You you sounded pretty confident uh, in the show right before Worlds. Yeah, I mean, we were just kind of running it down in duo the, like basically every game. And our scrum results were good. And we felt like we had kind of figured out our strat and like how we wanted to play the game. Um, so, I mean, going into Worlds was just... Just running down scrims every game. Yeah, that's uh, that ended up what you did uh, when it actually came to the World Championships. We'll go over your games a little bit. Zap, yeah. I, uh, I heard through the grapevine that, that the scrims for PK were not going so well on the lead-up. Was that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, we played against Barracuda's team a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I literally told my team we should never scrim them for our mental. Uh, actually, most of the year I told my team not to scrim them because we just we just kept getting wrecked in duo because they just kept running it down. And uh, I was just trying to play a just trying to play a low pressure pick. And I have Jake just sitting in my lane, Barra zoning, and I just uh, I wanted to retire early. I'm not even joking. Uh, let's just say it was not fun. It was not fun leading up to Worlds. Is that a is that normal? Was it kind of like, I feel like that kind of happens all the time for teams at Worlds, though. Like, they, they say to me, dude, we've been inting in scrims. We haven't won a scrim in months as far as I'm concerned. And then they come in and they, and they pop off. That's kind of how it goes sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for my team is uh, when we scrim, we don't really communicate as well. And when you're playing against pressure, you have to communicate a lot. You know, give this up, let that go, don't die here. You know, like all these little comms that we do at Worlds, but we don't do in scrims. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that a lot of people were playing duo pressure. So when there was no comms or I didn't know anyone was coming, I was the one getting wrecked every game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was not a fun time, and that's for sure. Listen, I'm sure you were a ray of sunshine the whole time, Steve. That's uh, I'm I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's the way it be. Let's talk. Let's start at the very beginning uh, of the world's bracket. Then in the quarterfinals where you guys played. Um, or was it placements? Yeah, it was placements that you guys played in, technically. Uh, yeah. Barra, you guys played against Sanguine there, um, a team that... Right? Oh, wait, oh, yeah, you played Belt Slap first. Yeah. My brain still is not recovered, so this is going to be a rough episode, I can tell you that right now. Um, oh, you're good. You guys played against Belt Slap first, and, uh, and they picked Afro Support against you game one, and in that <laughs> moment, I knew the set was over because they just the fundamental understanding of what you guys were planning to do uh clearly was not there yeah we had come into that set with a little bit of knowledge about what they were wanting to play and what they were going to do and we saw the afro and we were like oh it's got to go zero so we locked in push and then they locked in disco and we were like <laughs> what's up Wait a second here. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what i thought was gonna happen and i mean we weren't like we're gonna lose or anything but it's just what are they doing more of like why would you ever lock in Afro support? Like you obviously know like the place on me and Jake have. Yeah. Like this is not this is not what you want to be doing here. No. And honestly, I was more nervous for that set than any of my other sets because I don't know why. I just get nervous when you play the team you're supposed to be beating. Yeah, or you don't like, you want to be the underdog, right? You want less on yeah. your plate. And I mean, it's just mentally like so much easier. Like, if they take a game, it's like, man, they just won on EU ping. Yeah, and it's just it wouldn't be good. So I was worried about that. But then once you actually get into the game, you're like fine mentally and not worried about it at all. 
and I was I was kind of just like the whole entire set knew we weren't gonna lose, and I was just yeah, I was kind of calm the whole time, just vibing. Uh, yeah. The the opwash pick we had, didn't end up seeing it again through worlds, but you guys kind of messed around and opened up worlds with an opwash pick. Was that something that you guys were planning to pick a lot of, or or, or, or what happened there? Uh, we've been practicing it in scrims a bit into healing comps, and well, like if they have like a few soft healers or if they have like a main healer, mm-hmm. uh, Ben was trying it a lot, trying to figure out like where you exactly you can, I guess, fit the pick into a team comp because it's kind of hard. Like immobile mages are pretty hard to fit into any team comp, right? And I think it was like a good testing ground i would say but i don't think we need to pick up the rest of the tournament unfortunately then was just kind of holding it in his pocket in case they picked a healer mm-hmm. um but yeah we were practicing we probably played it like five or six times mm. going into worlds with blink every time or was that a a, a classic <laughs> ven audible with blink basically every time because his thought process was i'm literally gonna die anyways i might as well blink in and get my damage on their back line or get my damage on like whatever target i need to hit yeah and because like, agus he, he said that it wouldn't do anything for him and just prolong his death obviously like by just a few seconds sure um so he said it basically got him no value and blink was just a better relic were you worried at all when julio was uh kind of putting harry in the dirt was that game was that game three i want to say i don't remember that game honestly but no i wasn't worried because i knew once we went to team fights against that team, I mean, at the ping differential they were at, they basically had no chance in team sure. fights. Because that's when, like, all the little, like, split-second decisions and split-second reactions have to happen. And unfortunately, I think when you're playing with that big of a ping disadvantage, like, you just can't win team fights. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, Zap, your your placement round matchup was a lot of fun uh, to watch. That was up against E United. Um, and you guys had a couple of very close games in that set did what was your prep like going into that set and do you think that you guys had to make significant adjustments as the set went on or did it play out as you expected i'm not gonna lie i'm not really sure what our prep was i mean we <laughs> we, we, scrimmed, we basically scrimmed ghost and renegades leading up to worlds and uh let's just say both teams ended scrims early against us <laughs> so like our prep was kind of just <clears throat> I don't know. We were kind of just like, we kind of know what they do. Let's just make sure we communicate. We kind of know what we want to do. Um, we planned on playing more of a late game style at Worlds because we think at Worlds it's way easier to take games late because everyone plays a lot more discipline. Some teams play a lot more uh, laid back. And so, yeah, I think we kind of just went in saying if we communicate like we know we can, uh, play discipline, play patient, uh, we can like beat anyone we uh go against you you and neil really uh took it to snoopy and genetics snoopy had one of the worst sets he's probably ever had in his pro career definitely not a time to to have that happen on the world stage but uh but you were kind of running it down on him yeah i feel bad for snoopy and i feel like a lot of people don't understand the dual lane this year like the dual lane is so dependent on if your team helps you or not mm-hmm. if you play that side and if you look at what united did they just played baskin side they left snoopy on an island with unsafe picks mm-hmm. you know they left them alone as cupid so easy to zone a cupid it's so easy to gank a cupid because he has no cc immune alt yeah. he has just a dash that's easy to follow so they basically left him alone as soon as we saw four people go blue we called pele over to like duo side and pele owns cupid 
Yep. Um, so it was just it was just so easy to play that side. We just we said scary, just don't die. You know, let let him four way split your blue, and we'll just uh, you know we'll double split this, and we'll try to punish the dual lane, which we did. Um, and I really just it was not his fault at all. He kind of couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes sense. You want to play Baskin side of the map. It's Baskin, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, the Baskin. Yeah. Um, but leaving Snoopy on that island definitely did not work out. The Tsukiyomi pick did seem to give you guys a little bit of trouble. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see anyone else take out that Tsukiyomi solo. I guess it was a, a Baskin exclusive thing. But w- were you worried about that pick going on in the tournament? Did that feel like something that was pretty strong? Uh, it was only strong in the mid game, you know, when levels mattered a lot and he had like three, four items, like mm-hmm. a void shield or whatever. That's when he, that's when it was like as powerful as it could be. As the game went on, I would get tankier and he wouldn't do as much damage. So yeah, it was a problem in the third game because we were fighting into their power spikes. Like we were fighting when the Suki was level 17, just finished his items and, you know, Bastet just finished four items and we were fighting them. And that's why that game was a little bit closer than the others because we were, Instead of just, you know, holding out for like the fifth item where we're pow- more powerful than they are, we kind of fall into their power spike. So, yeah, it was a little bit worrisome, but we knew how to, you know, we knew if we just waited a little bit longer, we would just outcomp them. It's exactly what ended up happening. A 3-0 that was close for at least two of those games, but ultimately still a 3-0 for you guys. And that was the easiest set you guys had. And even that <laughs> didn't didn't always look super convincing. The classic yeah. PK way, uh, I suppose. Um all right, Barrel, back to your turn. Oh, man. <laughs> Kitty cat trying to get involved. I love it. Uh, <laughs> your, uh, your, your next matchup was up against Sanguine, and that set was wild. I mean, this was the beginning of Apollo looking really, really OP, which I'm excited mm-hmm. to talk to you guys about. Um, what? Again, you guys had played those guys at Phase 2 playoffs and uh, beat them there, but that was a 3-1 that set, it felt like we were just kind of waiting for Sanguine to turn on the Jets, but they kept not turning them on, and you guys kept them on the whole the whole set. Uh, what what do you remember from that Sanguine set? Um, I remember basically duo diffing them every game, and I think because they're a relatively new team to like late game, their decision making around split pushing was really bad. Yeah, you and guys split the map really well. Yeah, and everything that they did was just, I wouldn't say just bad, but it was, like, uneducated almost. Like, mm. they kept, like, five-man dancing around fire when I'm splitting uh, duo side. And you just can't do that, at the like, in this current meta or in that current meta. Because yeah. um, it just gives me such an easy in every team fight. And just a difference, for example, is, like, the game I played Apollo against Ghost and the game I played Apollo against Sanguine. Like, Ghost literally just sat in my lane the entire game and didn't give me rotations like anywhere else. And they were just full duo pressure button saying when like I'm literally Apollo ulting like into their tier one mm-hmm. in duo, like we're fragging them there. And then Apollo ulting into basically every objective. And I just don't think they were experienced around playing against the Apollo or their shot calling was like, oh, it's like disrespectful to the Apollo pick. Like they would just leash an objective and then be like, oh, we can probably get this. Like everything will be fine. Yeah, the um, one Gold Fury that you, like, hovered over forever, and then they just, mm-hmm. like, reset it and gave it to you guys for free. That was pretty wild. I, I, I was just so surprised they kept taking fights on, on solo side of the map mm-hmm. and then being like, what? There's an Apollo here? Like, <laughs> how, how did he get here? I, I don't know. I, I agree. I think that they yeah. seemed a little bit inexperienced against it. Zap, go ahead. 
I, I was kind of surprised too because normally it's kind of standard when you see globals on the map you play mm -hmm. in the lane of the global right because then you make it useless like you see athena you play on the athena side you see chernobog you play on the Cherno side and it totally takes away their ultimate so like that was definitely i guess inexperience from sanguine yeah mm -hmm. Bear, a lot of uh, a lot of talk after the set as well. A lot of a lot of tweets being fired <laughs> off. I figured, you know, you got a podcast, you got a platform. Uh, you want to talk about that at all? Um, so basically, I thought Sanguine had been cocky and overconfident basically the whole year with their tweets and with their overall personalities. And then at playoffs, when they tweeted like "better team lost," I was like, "All right, man!" Like, <laughs> but Barra, you're the wholesome guy. World, like, we're gonna pop off, and like the whole set. Like after game one, I was like, "Okay, if they give me a Paul, I literally I can't lose." Mm -hmm. And I just started just destroying them. And just like after every game, I was like, "Man, I am so ready to tweet this, dude." <laughs> This and... is the toxic side of Barrett chat that I've known for years now that you don't get to see. You guys think like Barrett, you know, the Barra Zap dynamic is that Zap's always the one that speaks his mind and Barra's just like the quiet, nice guy. No, Barra's just as toxic as anybody else, man. He just hides it better. That's what I know. Or I don't think I hide it better. I think people just like see me like... Like, I'll laugh so many people are like, oh, that's cute. That's so BM. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, actually genuinely laugh spamming this guy. And it's like, no, that's cute. Keep doing it. Like, people just want to see me. I really want to see me. But I don't know. It's just like, I literally got my trash talk from like Halo and COD days. Like, yeah. trust me. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> different, different stuff back then. <laughs> Unreal, unreal, because immediately I'm starting to think about, I was like, who did PK, who'd you guys play next? And oh yeah, you played SSG that early in the tournament. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> dude, as soon, as soon as you guys went down 2-0, I was like, there is no way. There is literally <laughs> no way it happens again. I'm sure you or Neil or one of the other leaders of the team, Zap, someone must have said, well, it's just like last year, fellas. Like, easy from here, right? We've been here before, boys. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here before. I mean, I game mean, one and game two were... They, they looked pretty clean from SSG. I mean, it, it, in typical SSG fashion, they don't they don't put you in the ground early. They they really play to the mid-game, and then they play around objectives really well, and they win one team fight and put you in an impossible-to-win position. Uh did it feel different through the first two games this year in comparison to last year? It felt the same because it was like we were ahead early and then they win one team fight with their late game comp and then they beat us. Yeah. The thing about uh, Space Station is they, they're like an Achilles heel to our play style mm -hmm. because they play late game like we do, but they play a little bit more late game, especially in their jungle picks, right? They pick a lot of auto attack junglers like mm -hmm. Erlang and, uh, and Kali. So... Um, so we hate playing against them. You know, they also pick Ganesh and things like that. It's really annoying. Mm -hmm. And when we try to play pressure against them, we're, we don't play, like, for example, Ghost beats them with pressure because they commit 100% to that style. When we play pressure, we kind of like, you know, one lane has pressure, not the other. Right. So it's really hard to play pressure style against SSG unless you fully commit. And uh, so for us, we play like late game, but we don't play that late game either. You know, we kind of like to win one side of the map. Yeah. And so it was just really hard. So basically our game plan... Uh, was the same as last year we're like okay just take cherry off his comfort his like two gods that he's always comfortable with yep. which is erlang kali and i think we could just beat them now if we go late because it's not really another late jungler that we're scared of from cherry and that's kind of just what we did and 
it was still really hard, but it, <laughs> it worked out for us. Man, game like you win game one, you must be like, okay, you know, like we're we're in their heads instantly. I feel like as soon as you guys won game four, there is a zero percent chance SSG ever wins game five. Just like the mental pressure you've put on that team at that point, like how could they ever come back with with the looming the reverse sweep from last year in their heads did you feel the same way like as soon as you won game four it was over yeah we kind of felt like that after we won game three we were like it's in their head you know we're like <laughs> we're, that's what we're, talking about. we're like they're thinking about it we're thinking about it yeah you know? let's just keep doing our thing don't change the bands ban out the two gods that we know cherry likes and we just go from there brutal man absolutely brutal barrett i'm assuming you watched uh you watched that set um mm-hmm. what, what were your thoughts on it I was very happy for PK, but very, very, very sad for Cherry. How could you not like, be, dude? I, <laughs> Maybe Zappa doesn't feel that bad for Cherry, man. but the, re- the yeah, rest of us. pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. I mean, the, camp, the camps afterwards, man, that was uh, yeah. some heart-wrenching stuff. Brutal, man. There is no one on Earth who cares as much about anything, I think, as Cherry cares about anything. He's just, mm-hmm. he's just a dude who cares. It's one of his greatest traits. It makes him a great player. It's not a detract. It's not a, I don't think it's a negative to the way he plays the game. Um, but, man, just unbelievably heartbreaking for the guy you guys ended two careers with one reverse sweep raffer and cherry both saying that they're done um yeah after that and does feel bad right after and then adapting right after bro <laughs> and then adapting <laughs> right career ender steve Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of junglers who are gonna dive you all the time hmm? uh, yeah, i feel really here. bad oh, yeah. a jungler? Oh, um, terrible. I'm, I'm sure you're gonna miss getting blinked on by those guys uh for sure what was i gonna say uh was that was that set first of all uh, speaking of the cams i loved watching all of the the guys for the pk house who live in the team house like popping off and you just sitting there like <laughs> yeah like we did it were those awkward yeah well every time i was like yeah let's go baby i'm like wait no one's hearing that <laughs> so i just get up on my desk and just like go get a water or something until i know they're coming back and then i'm like yeah guys let's go, let's go. yeah at one point you like wave to the camera because you knew like they were doing that they were posting like the yeah. big set cams. I, I actually did some like fake hugs to nobody but no one caught that <laughs> i think it was a little bit later you gotta go get your wife dude you gotta bring her in on the celebration you know have, have yeah. someone to, to pop off with at the very least right just plug yep, your chair sure. i was gonna say <laughs> do you ever consider just absolutely obliterating your chair no i think i'd break my wrist if i punched it that hard <laughs> that was insane dude i watched that gif of fred punching his chair like a hundred times the next morning and my wife will attest to this. I was literally just like crying, laughing, watching <laughs> yeah. it again. It is so. No, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's exactly what happened to me. I, every time I saw it or I saw the gif, I just couldn't help but laugh. Like it was just so like. Powerful. Like he hits it once. He hits it once, and it's not enough, dude. He squares yeah. up. He like lets it settle, and then he comes down on it. Like he's coming. It's like a Superman punch. On God, that would have knocked out McGregor. Like, yeah, I've never, I've never seen more perfect form on a punch. It was insane. <laughs> and the way the chair falls, like it's, it's comedic and it's, I don't know, it's literally the best thing I've ever seen. I, I love it. Uh, that chair got 
absolutely annihilated. And I was always there for it. I was always there for it. Um, so you guys both move on to the semifinals. Barrow, we'll keep going with you first uh, because I don't know how long we're going to talk about this ghost set uh, anyways because it was, <laughs> it was, that was. <laughs> a bit of a roughie there, bud. Uh, yeah, so obviously me and Jake's playstyle is very running down in duo and we were just picking a mobile gods and holding W in duo and yeah. We were unaware of how Twig's playstyle was, which he was a he- or he is a heavy rotator, and it was like basically every like thirty seconds, forty-five seconds, or like a minute. Like Vin would tell us that Twig was in duo jungler, like Sam was missing for like a minute or like a minute and a half, and we we're just like, man, like I just feel like I'm getting suffocated. Like I can't fight in duo ever, which was literally all we were doing in scrims and all we were drafting for, like. Game one, we picked, like, Artemis Yamir, like, really strong 2v2. Game two, we went, like, Apollo Ares, again, really strong 2v2. Both times we got ganked, both times we died. And once you die with, like, immobile duos, you're just, you're just screwed. Like, your support can no longer, like, run through the map and get deep vision. And then you start getting pressured more, which is what happened game one. And I just feel like... Strategy wise, they just beat us across the board in game one and game two. So loading into game three, I was like, okay, Jake, we can't fight in duo anymore. Like, let's just try to completely abort the two v two, and we'll just try to hard play through solo side. Yeah. And then I think something happened on the solo side. Impossible something. to say. Yeah. Who knows? Um, everyone <laughs> disconnected. Something weird happened in the solo. That side. play. Can I say that play physically hurt me? Um. I, Dave will attest to this. I was pacing for the next five minutes. I couldn't sit down because that play, like, look, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bear. I really don't care if you, if you win or lose. I just like, I try and stay impartial as best I can. Um, I just don't want that play to happen to anybody uh, mm-hmm. under any sort. I don't want to see that if I'm if I'm watching 10 bots in a game, I don't want to see that play happen, man. It hurt. It hurt me. It hurt me. Yeah. We, you guys had to like Ven, a great teammate, good dude, good player. His mental must've been shattered after that play. Right. I think it was just, you know, an unlucky set for Vin. I think, <laughs> Yeah. you know, yeah. I think he messed up a Sillolton duo. And then I think he yep. messed up the Kraken and solo. And then we put him on disco game two. So, I mean, it's not doing really anything game two, except for being a passive bot. Um, so we kind of just screwed Vin over a bit game one by pushing up and doing losing or get, getting ganked by the Anubis. I have a theory, by the way. I, 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 heard, I said it on broadcast. I don't know if you went back and listened to the cast at all. Um, but mm-hmm. on that rotation from Twig, I saw Vin ping exactly where mm-hmm. he was. And I see you, you guys were pushed up. You clearly wanted to fight. And... Yep. I see you, like, take two steps back, and then Jake instantly goes in. And you're like, well, I guess we're going in, and I hope the twig backed, you know? And then he, of course, waltzes over, gets a double kill. Then the whole situation after that happens. But uh, am I correct that Ven did ping that rotation and that you were thinking about backing up, and then Jake decided he wanted to hit the gas pedal? The first part of that is true, but I actually did not hear Vin call the rotation. Mm, and okay. he did call it, and he did ping it, and I did not hear it because 
you know, just some sometimes. Oh, you were thirsty. Yeah, and I think Jake was like really wanting to. Un, he was obviously really wanting to fight in that situation, but um, I remember right when Jake got wrapped and Anubis ulted, he was like, "Oh, the Anubis is here." So I don't think Jake definitely didn't know, and I definitely didn't know, and Vin definitely called it, and it was just our bad for pushing up and getting ganked like that. That is uh, that is unlucky, Zap. I. Uh... I know we talked about the set a little bit. What were your thoughts watching uh, that other semifinal set? Because you knew that you would have to play one of those teams if you uh, if you moved on. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Baron J couldn't really pressure as much. But then again, if you want to like pressure the purple, you also need pressure in mid, mm-hmm. which they didn't have. So they had like one piece of the puzzle, but not the other. <laughs> and uh, we kind of knew Twig because we scrimmed a lot of ghosts. Of course, you know, obviously we don't tell what we scrim sure but we knew twig likes to rotate a lot you know that's why you see him a lot on the poseidon picks and stuff like that so i was i was like curious you know they like pick changa mid and stuff i guess they weren't sure like uh about twig's play style like he said so yeah i think if they had mid pressure along with the duo pressure then i think their game plan would have worked really well yeah Mm -hmm. a little bit unfortunate there uh because ghost does not give you a lot of time to change because they're gonna gut it down uh from minute one basically in those games uh, and Steve, well, that because I felt like from duo they weren't gunning it down. In sure. duo, they just didn't want to fight us, right? But it felt like their mid was gunning it down towards us, and we we're just like, okay, we can't play the game, right? And I think Mike just wanted to bottom pick to counter us in duo, and I think I like I said it during the like picks and bans, but I was just like, I feel like their entire game plan is to shut me and Jake down mm-hmm. and not allow us to play our game. I don't know if that was actually true or not, but like from playing it that's what it felt like no i think that that's a a fair estimation especially i mean i think that's the most logical game plan to fight against you guys because the the majority of games you win i feel like you win through duo and through duo pressure so um if you're gonna step up to beat that you gotta find a way to beat the dueling so and they'd watch six games of ours (laughs) and they'd watch six games of yours do you think that's a big deal going into that uh i think so i think for a team that's as good as ghost and that preps as well as ghost does i think that's really big for them mm, fair enough and the targeted on rat last rat sorry that was yeah. really big as well yeah absolutely um all right zap radiance uh i completely i almost forgot that you guys reverse swept them too which is just wild uh you did you no no we did it we did it it was oh, one one and then oh we right it was one one no you're right i'm yeah. sorry i uh it was one one, dude. My brain absolutely uh, destroyed. It was the it was the game four, three phoenixes down, uh, w- yeah. sort of comeback that I was thinking of. First of all, poor John Finch, you put that man through the ringer this week. He casted every <laughs> single one of your like quarterfinal and on sets, and you <laughs> took him to fifty minutes plus in five games every single time. You really uh, you pushed the man's voice to the brink, but of course Finch <laughs> popped off because he's the goat, and that's all there is to it. Um, but what do you remember about going in to that Radiance set? Because I feel like Radiance is, a, is one of those teams that I feel like is a little bit hard to uh, nail down what they want to do. Yeah, I think uh, Radiance was the team we were most scared of this tournament because they beat us twice already mm-hmm. in playoffs. And they play, I would say, somewhat similar to us where they don't play full early or full late. You know, they, they they have like they'll pick their mid laner will pick late. So it's not like kind of like, oh, if we get to late game, we have the better mid, the better late mage, you know, and they also first pick the Scylla too. 
Yeah. So the, and they match up well into us, you know, like big man Tinks has immaculate position. You don't really see that guy die a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think they matched up well into us. And I know we had a pretty good game plan going into the Scylla because we wanted to pick the Afro. Yep. And I think like game one, we were in full control and we kind of threw in a team fight. And but that's just that's just what happens when you play against other late game comps. Like it's just like one mistake you get bursted and you die. Mm-hmm. So when we lost game one, we were feeling confident and we were just like, you know, we got to just step it up in the team fights. And yeah, we won game two like that. And then honestly, I don't even remember what happened game three, but that was another close one. And then no, neither game, do I. And then yeah, and then game four, like that one was just nuts. I don't even know how we uh, fell that far behind. And uh, yeah, then we we had three phoenixes down, nine hundred HP. Yeah, less than a thousand on a titan. Yeah, I think we were we like killed one or two of them for some reason, and then we said we have to get this fire giant. Like we, mm-hmm. even if one of us dies, we have to get it because if they get it with three phoenixes down, the game's just over. Mm-hmm. So that's why we we all end it. And then they ended up picking Paul, and then they were pushing down right side, and we were like we have to just fight them right now. They're grouped. So we're like, Neil, 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 they're right in front of you or like right in front of the Phoenix. So he blinks, engages, and then I get a four-man alt, and then Fred goes in, and I think adapting wasn't even there. So we got like a big engage off early, and the Persephone had no actives, I believe, so she died instantly to Fred. And then Ronnie killed the Cherno because the Cherno actually dashed my alt, so mm. he had no dash. So, of course, the Thorns solo laner is going to kill the ADC, right? So yeah, like, of course. No, no counterpoint at all. Ronnie, Ronnie kills him, and he's still full HP, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know the just so you know how the matchup goes. Right. And, um, yeah, then after that, we just killed him. And then I was so close to living. Like, I Aegis Benji's all 1 HP, and then stupid Persephone passive kills me at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. But anyway, then we're like, uh, okay, we wiped him. Can we end? And then we're all talking about it, and we're like, okay we have to go in that's our only chance like go in now and people were like we're low but then we're like no you have efg it's fine just go end and then everyone's walking through mid and they're like oh who's gonna defend right paul's come up in 10 seconds it should be fine like everyone just needs to go end and then they ended and then we kind of knew we were gonna win game five after that because there's no way like they could recover mentally from that dude that i mean it- Paul spawning at the, at the perfect timing is it, serendipitous, but also, of course, a great call to to not send anybody back to defend because you needed all of that uh, of that DPS on Titan. I mean, I, I don't get it, bro. Like, I, I, some like obviously you guys played so well in all of these sorts of situations, but teams, I th- I think you really got in teams' heads knowing that they can't make mistakes and that no lead is safe against you guys. And I think that almost forced them to make more mistakes in the late game because they're so worried about it. Like Benji diving all the way into the Titan uh, really, really deep and like getting picked off in a fight earlier on. I think that there are a couple of examples of SSG and of Ghost doing the same. Did you, did you guys feel that way? That like we can almost, in a style that I think was dead for a long time. You guys were really just counter punching and waiting for other teams to make mistakes against you. Uh, and teams did make a lot of mistakes and you guys capitalized literally perfectly on every single one of them. Yeah. I think a lot of it was our play style coming in, depending on our picks. Like when we have Scylla, we're just looking for poke and then we're looking for them to go in on us. That's a, that's kind of like our game plan. Cause then we could just back up a little bit, kill the front line and kite the back line. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of just like our game plan. I think a lot of teams are just so used to like, they see a carry and they just blink and say, go, go, go. But that's not really what our uh, 
play style was. We're kind of just like, all right, let's play our let's play our strengths. Scylla can just use root two to poke, especially the tanks. And I think it caught a lot of teams off guard how patient we were in the team fights. Yeah, because uh, we definitely didn't play like that in during the regular season. But that's how we play at Worlds, even last year. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, and also if a team makes one mistake in us, we have a Scylla alt that literally will one shot somebody. So it was very punishing play style that we had against uh, a lot of these teams. Is it true that you guys practiced very little Scylla uh, <laughs> coming in to the tournament? Yeah, so we played Scylla maybe once or twice the whole the whole week uh or the whole two weeks that we were scrimming we never played artemis we never played hachi we never played uh kuzumbo we uh didn't play cthulhu i think Hmm. and then there's just a lot of gods we didn't play but we just know we have them and we kind of just are confident in each other to bring them out you know like when i said to my team pick me artemis i never played artemis a single time i was just like f it give me artemis and they're like yeah okay no problem <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then in like game three elimination i was like yeah give it to me again and they were like sure you know that's just kind of how our team is so yeah it's definitely one thing i love about my team uh both you guys played a little bit of artemis this weekend or, or last weekend uh a lot a lot against cupid in particular was it just against cupid that you think that the matchup's good enough or do you think artemis is good enough to be played against a couple different hunters well, I didn't get for- to play that game, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Artemis is good into Cupid. That was like the main matchup for me, because uh, uh, what's it called? Cupid just likes to alt to get the other guys alt. Yeah, you know that's like all that's all the Cupid does in the lane, and that's how he gets pressure because he could just kill you with a heart bomb because it stuns you. So he has that kind of like thing. So Artemis could just two out of the alt, and it's fine. Yeah. So that's that's basically the main reason. Barra, same yeah, thing for you. Yeah. Once I got buffed, I was playing it in scrims, like, right after... I think it was in a vote, and then vote messaged me question marks. He was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you're... That, that's how Armist 2 works now. He's like, oh. You're <laughs> 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 just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So I, I knew the matchup. I was pretty comfortable with it. Um, so I practiced it a bit. And I was... And when I picked it, I was like, okay, we have Artemis, Scylla, Ymir... I feel like our team fight is just going to be absolutely insane. Yeah. And then we just didn't get the team fight stage that game. No, no, you did not. Um, Steve, you in particular, I mean, Barra, you you played a little bit of Heim, if I remember correctly, during the Mm -hmm. year, but not a lot. Steve, you played a ton of Heim in the lead up to Worlds. And then picking things like the Artemis against the Cuban makes sense to me, but picking things like Hachiman... Uh, instead of Heim and a lot of drafts, w- w- what made you change from that pick? Because it was pretty successful for you. Uh, mostly because Heim is slow early, and a lot of teams just play duo pressure this land. Mm-hmm. At least I know Renegades and Ghost did, and uh, so did uh, Radiance. Mm-hmm. So Heim was just really bad at clearing the jungle early, and he's re- and he's he's okay at clearing lane. Mm-hmm. But uh, usually in these games, just from my experience at Worlds, a lot of the focus is just like invading the buffs and stuff like that. So I just picked like Hachi and Jing uh, because I know I couldn't die. Yeah. And even and our plan was to never fight these guys that were invading. We, we just wanted to let them take our buffs. So like it, we didn't care because they were triple splitting, quadra splitting invades mm-hmm. that it didn't matter. You don't fall behind like that as long as you don't die. So right. that was just our game plan. Like as soon as we see a Ymir pick like against Radiance, I picked Jingwei instantly because I knew... I knew I was like, I'm just going to give up my purple, but I'm going to farm everything and I'll be fine. It doesn't matter. Then I'm just going to be a Jingwei late game, you yeah. know, just mm-hmm. being fine. And that, that was our game. That's why we picked literally the lowest pressure against Ymir Cupid. We picked Jing Xing Chen because mm-hmm. we were like, we're just going to give up our purple every time. doesn't matter. I will not fall behind. And also, if you noticed how Neil backed early every wave, 
is so I could get to level five before the other hunter. Mm. And then they had never, they had no chance to pressure me ever after that, basically. Mm. Smart. I like that a lot. Uh, the, the Hachi against the Fenrir probably didn't feel quite as good as, uh, as something, as something like Jing. Well, Jing also kind of gets destroyed by Fenrir. It turns out Fenrir just kind of kills ADCs pretty well, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thorns OP, man. Thorns OP. Yep. That's all there is to it. Barra, your, uh, your thoughts on, on that Radiant set. Uh, I thought Radiant's hard trolled when they had three Phoenixes down and then gave PK the chance to fight them in mid. I don't know why they did that. Like, yeah. you have such an easy win. You just wait for duo and solo wave, and you're fine. And then they all pushed down mid, gave Neil the like chance to start the fight. And I was just like, why? Like... I just feel you just wait for your waves to push down. You sit in mid. You literally can't lose. And they just like, hey, what if we 5v5 here? Like, well, what that's if? the only way you ever lose that game. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a and tough L. It was a tough L for them, for sure. I just feel like people just got really nervous against PK. Yeah. I mean, like, understandably so. And then they would just start choking. And PK would just start making play after play after play to get themselves back in. I'm just like, what is happening, man? <laughs> like, watching all the games, I'm just like, how are they winning these games? Like, yeah. absolutely insane. That's the, that's exactly the way I felt. Like, one one play for PK, you guys were down, like, six, 7,000 gold. If you guys made one play, I was like, oh, they're in their heads. Because you just watch PK reverse sweep SSG win from three phoenixes down against radiance you watch like game two uh, uh up against ghost where that game looks unwinnable and then all of a sudden they win it uh and it's like yeah if you make one mistake you probably do feel like the game is over from there and in zap playing on your side that must feel so good to know that it doesn't matter how far down we are you know the the 5k deficit at 15 minutes is just the pk lead at that point because you know you're gonna make a play and, and, and end up turning it well, it just comes down to comps, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I guess we're not talking about Ghost yet, but when we play Ghost, they play early game supports. Like, we're not scared of Fenrir 30 minutes into the game. You right. know what I mean? So we kind of just know we're going to win if it gets to, if everyone's full build. And even if it doesn't matter for 20K behind, if it's we're all at at least 70K gold because we're all full build, you know, that was kind of our thinking. Yeah. Yeah, game one it, uh, up against Ghost, uh, Mike was massive that game. Um, he got really, really far ahead, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter though. That, that's the thing, right? It, it, it just didn't end up mattering. Um, yeah, I think that was the game fine played Arthur, right? Cause I think mm-hmm. he made, uh, he like, they, they got fire. They reset. They came to duo side. The rest of the team was on gold fury and then fine was trying to get a fight started by your, your back harpies. And then, it got a little bit awkward. They started trying back up, and then Neil found a really sick wall to wall off the Cupid by red. Um, and I think that's where the, the whole the whole kind of course of that set changed, or that game, rather, changed back into, into your guys' favor. Did you, I mean, I guess this is a, a worse question for you than it would be for, like, Scary, because they were... They were gunning it down solo late. I think Scary lost his tower pre-10 minutes in four out of five games uh, <clears throat> in that set. So you must have been expecting Fine to come over really, really early in games and, and be there pretty often. Yeah, like I said, our early game strat was to let them do whatever they wanted. Just don't die. 
Yeah. So basically, we knew like when Scary Losses Tower Find was going to come, and we just would do the pyro whenever they did the gold, and we'd be like 2k down, whatever. We don't care. Then guess what? We have another five minutes to uh, farm and be only 2k gold down with our late game team comp. Mm-hmm. So the biggest mistake people make against Ghost is they try to defend against Ghost, but you really can't defend against Ghost because they're insanely good, and they pick for that style. Mm-hmm. So and we played against them last year, so we knew exactly how they played. You know, like we knew how Arkle played; he was going to jump in all the time with honor and try to like fight. So it was the same thing this year. We knew they were going to just invade. So you saw, like, we saw like four people at Ronnie's Blue were like, "Just go get a go get a like a mid harpy or something," you know, right? And just let them have it, and then they'll get their two K lead, and then that's it. And then we'll just keep going, going, going until late game. And then we knew our combat scaled them. We had the better team fight support, and we'd, we'd probably win most of the team fights from then. Yeah, game one's comp in particular, Ghost literally can't win uh, per, can't, post yeah. 35 minutes. Like, they, that, that composition just doesn't do anything post 35 minutes unless you are literally killing the Titan at that point. But that, that's kind of the only way. So game one... I really, I really feel that exact same way as you, that if they get to that point, it's kind of over already, and, and you guys proved that. Game two, I agree if it would have gone really late that you guys would have been heavily favored, but you guys go from like 8K down to stealing a fire to grouping up, they hard engage, and you wipe them an end, and you guys probably ended that game down 6,000 gold um, because you just pushed for the end. What, what do you remember about game two? So game two, yeah, we fell behind because we we died mm-hmm. a, a few times, and that's how they were starting to snowball. But we knew, like, the one of the best things about Scylla was her secure. Yep. So we knew we could always, like, burn a gold, or, like, they would never pull a gold in front of us because we had Scylla. And so they did the fire in front of us, and you never want to do a fire, like, 5v5, you know, especially when we have the better secure. Right. And so we had a ward on it, like a good regular ward. I don't know who put the ward down, but we could see the HP. And we're like, oh, they're on fire. And then we were just said, okay, just play for the steal. Yep. Paul goes into his monster and like of course he secures it. He literally didn't miss a secure the whole Unbelievable. Whole world. Dude. Yeah. So we, we were like we were very confident we were gonna get it. And as soon as we got that, um we were I think we were eight K down at that point. We we're like, okay, we could definitely just try to get even now. Mm-hmm. You know? But you know the thing is is like when they were doing that fire, it was already like twenty plus minutes into the game. You know, we're yeah. like scaling. We're scaling, we're getting stronger. Paul's never fell behind Twig. Yep. you know what i mean and yep. uh i was always even like sometimes our front line would get behind but like that's that's just what happens to front line you know yeah and um so we were just sitting pretty we didn't care we saw our tier twos like you know it was 20 plus minutes into the game and then they tried to force a fire because they couldn't get anything else like from us on the map and we just got the you know the yoink and uh dude so um yeah i don't know we're, we're still feeling good in that game well then right after you guys get the fire you go back to left lane and you get like mega dove they they yeah. blow a lot in order to try and kill you you get out but you have nothing you're 20 percent hp no relics no alt mm-hmm. and so ghost tries to force a fight and sam comes gunning through the the tier two wall at you uh and Paul hits probably the nastiest I'm a monster I've ever seen in my whole life. Like that was, uh, he one shots the man. He one shot him. It was insane. What was? Were you like? Did you assume you were dead in that instance? Do you remember that play? Yeah. So I kind of thought they were trolling, crackening me, mm-hmm. and then they me under my tier two, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty troll because we had fire. So even though we were AK down, it didn't really matter. We weren't really AK down in that fight, right? Because we had fire giant on basically everybody. So when they crack in, I was like, okay, they're they're chasing me. And then the Sir blinks. He's stunned. 
I don't beads until he alts because they had no follow up. Mm-hmm. Then he alted, and then we wanted to fight them after that because they had no crack and no serball. Like, right. what are they going to do? They have nothing to kill us with. And then that's why we were chasing. And then Final K blinked in, and he, you know, he popped his thorns, used his alt, but Paul already put him to half HP instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, like I heart bombed him, did one uh, percent of eight, his HP, and then Paul did his one two and took him down to fifty percent. Right, so <laughs> you know. Anyway, hundreds suck. Anyway, um, and then what's this called? Uh, Mike came in too, and then he, you know, popped thorns in front of me too, and I'm like, wow, this is so good because they just double thorns, double alted. They did nothing. I survived. And then Sam, I, I don't know what that play was. Like he yeah. just dove into tier two, and I was like, and Paul already alted and. Paul's like, we're going to kill this guy. And then I turn around, start autoing. Paul just one shots him. And then we were like, go, you know, we're just yelling like, oh, this is so good. And then yeah. Paul alts uh, Mike and fine. Okay. And then we just knew we kind of won the fight after that. Like it was just over. Yeah. I was so confused as to how Ghost lost their three before because you didn't get to do any damage as you highlighted because hunters suck, but also because they had dumped everything into you before that. Uh, I thought, Paul had only hit Sam, but I talked to, to Ghost a little bit afterwards, and I went back and watched it. He so hit Mike, he, too, yeah. He hit Mike and Fine with his I'm a Monster, so he hit three people with it. I still think it probably should Ghost should have probably been able to do a little bit better in their fight, but you're right, without Sigi and Torment, without Kraken, like, their fight kind of sucks. Um, Smite? Smite right now is just who dives better. Like, that's all it is. It's like yeah. backline survives and then who who dives better. And that's kind of just how it goes. So when they waste their alts like that, our backline was able to just free cast. I mean, our frontline was able to just free cast on their guys. They had no one to peel. Stygian Torment was down. So, like, there, everyone, like, as soon as we killed Sam, they were just all on their own. You saw them, like, just scatter. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, you want to talk about mental damage being inflicted, like, ghost being up by a lot in both games and then especially game two not even like slipping away but being over really really quickly in the series of two plays losing the fire and then taking a bad fight and then getting counter ended literally instantly i feel like that puts you mentally in a pretty bad spot barra at that point did you think that pk had it in the bag yeah i thought ghost had i mean i've always thought ghost mental like is not great, which I think is why they play like the full pressure comps is so they can't get behind. Mm-hmm. And I think once they have thrown two of those leads, I thought it was over. Like, I was just like, PK are literally going to three of these guys. Like, they've thrown two massive leads that Go should never normally throw. Like, I think if those were regular season games, Go should probably just close those out cleaner. But some miraculous reason at Worlds, like, they pressure. start choking. It's, yeah. It's I, pressure. It's got I it. thought it was, I thought it was actually going to be better for Ghost that the tournament was online because they'd been playing so well online the whole year, mm-hmm. and I was like, if we go into Worlds, I think Ghost should have a good shot at winning. If we don't beat them because it's online, I think there's less pressure on them. Right, and then they just throw two massive leads, and I'm like, okay, this set, this set's literally over. Like, we should just pack up and go home now. Like, there's no reason. Do you think so? Yeah, exactly. Do you think so too, Zap? You think you had? Did you thought you had the three zero in the bag at the time? Yeah, I mean, we 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 always thought we match up well against Ghost, and we definitely don't feel any pressure when we play, Mm -hmm. or at least compared to them. And we always we kind of thought like last year would be on their mind, and we and we kind of thought like Sam might have been a little bit nervous playing against us too. Mm -hmm. We know Sam pretty well, and um, 
yeah, I don't know. We just we were feeling confident against them. Yeah. I mean, games one and two, Sam definitely did not look like the Sam that was at Worlds last year or played throughout the regular season this year. Those were definitely down games for him. But he kind of turned on the Jets and the whole team turned on the Jets in, in game uh, in game three. I'm trying to remember their exact comp game three. Game three, uh, they had a Wheelix. Yeah, it was the Wheelix pick. They kept the letting home. you get the Scylla. Um, mm-hmm. Were you surprised by that? We, we thought Sam was going to play Wheelix game one. Mm. We were surprised when he picked Thor. We're yeah. like, eh, okay. But uh, we uh, game three was lost in drafts because like we got ahead of ourselves. We first picked the Scylla, which we always talked about never to do because mm-hmm. it was pointless. We knew, we knew Twig would never play Scylla. He's never played Scylla in his life. Right. So it was so dumb to pick the Scylla. We should have just picked the Cupid. That's what we did in game five. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just draft because like we do this sometimes where we get ahead of ourselves. We're like, oh, if we just have these gods, we win no matter what. And we already picked the Scylla and the Kama. And then they mm-hmm. just picked the Wheelix and countered both picks, you know. So it was like we kind of just knew we were like, oh, we shot ourselves in the foot game three. Yeah. And it was over in like 25 minutes. Yeah, that didn't get to the, to the later stages in that one. Game four. Uh, normally my brain very good at remembering these things. I also don't remember their... Co- they played a Willix again game four, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they played a Willix Cthulhu, and, and the Cthulhu right. was the big break pick. Yeah. Because Priscilla couldn't one-shot the Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was Final K would just blink Thorns, Paul, and Paul was useless every fight. So yeah. like, holy shit, this is like the Scylla counter. Like, we can't one-shot him. Mm-hmm. And then they, they literally have one dude zoning two of us. Yep. And, you know, they can kill our dive with just four of them. And that's kind of just what happened. And we still had a chance to win until I altered the uh, the Allerin, which was like, I felt so bad about that play because that was just so bad. I don't know why I thought I could kill him. He had double lifesteal, mm-hmm. you know, so, like there was yeah, no thought, chance I'd kill him. I thought with that play, I was like, oh, if you have crit, that makes sense. But like landing down, I think you went the pin attack speed build that game. Mm hmm. I was like, oh, I don't think there's any way that Zap can ever take that out box. What happened I was... Think... Go ahead. Uh, I was saying, I think I fin- the Fender had Magi is too for your meta, so like, mm-hmm. I think you're just always losing that, unfortunately. What happened was we were hyped because we like killed two of them, and I was coming oh, up with alt yeah. or something like that, and the other one was kind of like half or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have all, you know, Ronnie, let's go on him, and Ronnie was right there. And then, and then I was like, wait, I actually can't kill them. You know? It's kind of like a boneheaded play. And I feel like we could have won that game if I didn't throw right there. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, that was that was like, I think that was probably my worst game of the tournament, like game four for sure. Yeah. And I think we actually could have won that game pretty easily after that because we, we were, you know, Scylla was online, you know, and we were just, ugh, Yeah, you could, because you guys had a counter siege moment in that game where you guys push up. And then I remember... We were watching from Sam's perspective, and I think you were on a ward or something like that, or he could barely see you, and you, like, got to the intersection at mid when you were running away, and you couldn't tell if you wanted to go, like, in the lane or towards Gold Fury, and then Sam just blinked on you and insta-killed you and and, uh, put Ghost kind of back in in one of those big moments. Yeah, what happened there was I knew I was dead because my pathing. And I, the Wheelix Suku could just catch up to me. Mm-hmm. So we saw them going into the red. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was running with my team. And I was like, I'm definitely dead here. So I just go the other way. So they didn't kill all of us. Right. Basically, because we couldn't run away from the from the Wheelix. Right. Yeah. That, so we uh, kind of just stayed too long. We were kind of just dead as soon as we took the pathing into red. Man, that was that a... You guys... Was that the game you guys tried to end 
And that's when they they pushed out because there was a not like a true base race, but what was it? It was it was Sam and uh, and Panda alive against a couple of you trying to end. Was that that game four? No, nah, that was game five. Game five. Holy yeah. God, dude, that was we were, such we just, a wild game. Yeah, we were just uh, we we're just trying to get a Phoenix, and then that was it. We just stayed too long. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So game five, uh, back to two two. Uh, go. You you've been on the other end of that coin a couple times now zap where uh mm-hmm. you've you've won two in a row facing elimination w- what was it like being on the other end uh having the 2-0 lead and all of a sudden being have your your back against the wall we were having trouble figuring out what we wanted to pick and ban and we we're thinking about like letting the set through and picking the set and we were also thinking about letting the rat through and pick the rat but then we were kind of just like no let's just keep it the same let's pick more mid pressure this game that's why we didn't play the Scylla because mm-hmm. we were like we could just beat these guys straight up like we knew um if we picked a little bit more mid pressure we could just get out of the early game without such a deficit that the last two games happened in mm-hmm. and since he kept picking the Owelix, we were like let's just pick the morgan they're not going to expect it it's a completely different play style than the Scylla is mm-hmm. and it will definitely catch him off guard and we're so confident in paul's morgan so we kind of were like all right let's do that let's let's get the morgan and then if he and then like if he picks something that's easy to dive, we'll have the Kamazots as well, mm-hmm. which is like and basically I, I think we won that game off draft. And um, oh, and, and the other thing was we were talking about first picking Cthulhu or I mean Kukulin because he always wins lane. You mm-hmm. know, Kukulin was just like that's why he's always picked that world. He just like wins the lane. Right. And then we were like, if we go Morgan, let's go Morgan Cthulhu for the double Cthulhu alt, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna dive him. Mm-hmm. And so after the draft is over, it's basically like okay. Four of us are going to dive and zap you on your own. And I was like, no problem. You know, like, that's how, that's how we're going to oh, do it. Another day in the life, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Normally, I'd pick Jingwei in a game like that. That's why you saw, like, I'd pick Jingwei with the Morgan. Sure. Because I knew I'm always alone when Paul plays Morgan. Mm-hmm. I picked the Cupid just so we'd had healing, mm-hmm. you know, and we can heal. And, and we take it away from them, too, because the Cupid gives them a kill lane. And that was kind of our game plan going in. And then once they locked in Poseidon, we kind of felt like we were going to win. Because it was just mm-hmm. easy to dive their back line. Has there been a god that has been a part of so many losing compositions as Poseidon through the history of Smite? Like, I feel like that god just loses, bro. I don't, I don't I know. Feel, yeah, Poseidon. I feel like it, I don't really know why people pick it. I feel like it's a crutch god because he's so easy to play because you could just like clear and rotate. But he's really bad in my opinion overall yeah. as a god, and he's really easy to dive, especially in the late game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, as soon as they picked it, we were feeling really confident. Because we know we can dive it easily. We had the Kama. Kama just owns him. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cthulhu just owns him. The Kraken does no damage to Cthulhu unless he does it before he ults. So we were feeling really confident going into game five. Yeah, Barrow, what were your, uh, what were your thoughts going into game five? You know, knowing that PK had had, had the reverse sweep energy around them. Um, I really wasn't sure what to think. But I did I did really like the draft for PK game five more than uh, more than what we saw from Ghost. I was pretty confident in PK's mental at that point to not be in a we're about to get reverse sweat mindset, but more of like a this is now a best of one mindset. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think they were like mentally going to be freaking out or anything at that because I mean, they've literally been one game from elimination like mentally so many times. So, like, why would it matter now? Yeah. Um, and then the when I, I knew it was over when PBM popped Girdle. And that ghost was not waiting for their Hoombots all to come back up and just were pulling fire. Yes, like, dude, that call baffled why? me. 
baffled me because Sam and Paul have that weird meeting in the jungle. Some anime stuff for the record um, <laughs> where they like lock eyes for a half a second. They both like Paul starts to run. Paul misplays in that moment, I think, by using the transformation because it cleanses mm-hmm. your CC immunity. But Sam must not have realized because a lot of times Hunbats players, you're just dropping Fear No Evil, expecting to carry the beads and walking away. Um, <laughs> I think Sam probably could have killed Paul in that 1v1 because he got re-feared. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be so simple for Ghost. I mean... Sam's blink and alt are both going to come up before Paul's beads or alt are coming up. Um, And Morgan without her ultimate or beads is like basically a worthless character um, Mm -hmm. because you can't get into that back line. Uh, Zap, you guys must have been ecstatic whenever they whenever they started to pull the objective and and try and 50 50 it. Yeah, they were really trolling on that play. Like you never pull enhanced fire 5v5. Yeah, like even even 4v5, you'll get wrecked. Right. Because if you saw how much damage Panic Cat took just from fire and like one ability from Kamazatsu, he literally was 10% HP when he went in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they pop Girdle, and as soon as we saw them like eat, because a lot of times we don't check fire until the wall comes up mm-hmm. because there's no threat until the wall comes up. So as soon as we see the wall come up, we're like, you know, we can look for an engage here because they're going to get wrecked by the wall. Mm-hmm. And then they like girdled and we're like all inning it. And then we have a freaking Kuzembo, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like Kuzembo literally killed their whole backline by himself just with thorns and, uh, you know, his alt. So we kind of knew we won that fight really hard. And I wasn't, and they had no humbots on. I wasn't sure. Like they were kind of like in a false pretense thinking they were like ahead in the team fight because Paul didn't have alt, but like, you know, he's Polynomicon Morgan, so I don't know. It was just a weird thing to me, and I thought we we were playing patient. We're like, we we were telling each other, we're like, we have no reason to pull this. Let them pull it. Whoever pulls it is at a disadvantage, and that's kind of just what happened. Right. Speaking of Kuzumbo, before we keep going on Game 5, uh, I thought Raffer's Kuzumbo Game 5 was such a smart pick up against Asilla because she's just going to kill herself when she goes for those poke plays. And then uh, he didn't build Thorns. And he yes, built thank you, God. like a normal support. <laughs> and I was like, Zap must be the happiest man on the earth right now. Yeah, that was pretty troll, I think, by him. I, f- I feel like you always need thorns on Kuz. That's like his strongest thing. And if right. you saw like in the late game fights, we just blew him up. Right. All we, had to, we didn't worry about thorns. If he had thorns plus his two, we would have killed ourselves for sure. Yeah, you're not picking Kuzenbo to build like Ganesh. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. that, that was a head scratcher for me. Uh, Zap, I do have to say... You picking up the fire at the very end of game five and, and solo ulting it and try, <laughs> trying to secure it. I was kind of laughing at that when I went back and rewatched that fight. You really, you were locked in on that objective. Yeah, if you if you actually watch the fight, you see the Kukulin, he ulted me, mm-hmm. right? I dashed away and I go back and I'm right behind the Kukulin and he's running back to my dive. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I basically pulled the fire to get the Kukulin to come back. And if you watch how they reacted, the Kukulin was going to help his team and then he came back to go on me yeah. and then the rama also altered me that's why i was so low right because in, in their comms in their comms it's like oh he's pulling fire because they didn't know how low fire was fire was really low right so in their comms it was like you know he's going to fire like stop him going to fire and you saw panda alt me and final alt me and go on me and that's two big like cooldowns that are gone and i would just survive still and then i knew we would just win the dive because we have four people diving and the Rama already altered. So it was just kind of like doing my job of like, cause like I said, it's four man dive and I'm on my own. 
Right. So I basically just do as much as I can to distract, and that was kind of just it. Using the fire as the distraction. I love it. Barra, would, that, that last fight, do you remember what you were thinking uh, watching it? I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Once I pop girl, I'm like, okay, this is so stupid. Like, Humbots had to jump away from the Kamazots. They left the door wide open to their back line. And then, uh, Final came misses ult on Steve. Steve dashes out and goes back in and starts pulling fire, which looks really funny from a top-down perspective. It it's did. just like a little baby trying to kill fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was also like, Steve's been basically on his own the whole game, so it's just like a fitting role for him to be like, please let me kill this fire. <laughs> Hey, Mackenzie, sorry. It just everybody. looked really funny from like, oh, you're good. It just looked really from like a top down perspective. Because I think in the moment in the game, I don't think pulling that fire is like a bad play. It just looks really funny, funny from a top down perspective. And then I like I went back and studied the play a lot after like they in the in the game and everything. And I just have no idea why they leash fire. Like it was such a panic all-in play because twig i mean i think even if they get that efg they lose because right. they would have mm -hmm. to damage it so much longer and he cracking it at like four or five k and like if he crackens it at one or two k the play is still the same right all the carriers are still going to be in the fire pit tanking a cthulhu taking a camazots and i think all the noobs were like lol bad kraken but like if that's the call that's the call like they're, sure. they're playing to commit to fire and like, it may look really stupid, but that's their comms that we have to all in fire here, and he popped a girdle, too. I, I just think the girdle pop, like, was the nail in the coffin for Ghost at that fight. Yeah. Because it just mm -hmm. scripts exactly what they want to play and how they want to play the I, I think on the fire. The biggest thing for me was they lost when they got it low. Like, because mm -hmm. we were just waiting. They took so much damage from the fire. The walls right. were up. They had three or four people in the walls. And mm -hmm. we kind of just knew we were going to win. We just wait till it got low, and then it's just panic city. Like, what do you do after that? It's low. Like, they don't even know what to do after that. I wouldn't even know what to do because it's just the fact that they put themselves in that position. Right. It was kind of just, it was curtains for them. And Zap, you guys have two of the best ending moments, I think, in, in world championship history because it's not like a close fight on a Phoenix even because those end the game so fast. The last two years, you've gotten this nice, relaxing waltz up the mid lane, knowing... <laughs> I, I wasn't relaxed. I was like, get this fucking cacolin off me, guys. Because they were just screaming. They were, like, they were like, we won, we won. And I'm like, help me. Help me. <laughs> me. Like, get this fucking behemoth off me. I, God, I can't tell you how much I can't stand solo laners, man. Oh, my God. I hate them so much with a passion. I hate them. I hate them. <laughs> Listen, I, small thorns nerf going into season eight. You know that's not enough. Not enough. Yeah, I, not enough. I agree. Barry, what were you gonna say? I was gonna ask Seth if he's gone back and seen his face right when they swapped over to him <laughs> after that part because there was a moment of sheer panic when it swaps cams from like Neil to Zap, and Zap's mouth is just like wide open, like screaming. <laughs> because uh, they were yelling and i'm like i gotta yell over them because like you know maybe maybe he can defend i don't know and then i was like help help <laughs> and he was like i'm coming man and i'm like yeah body not body. fast enough you literally leave neil in the dust fine like insta kills him and you're like see yeah. you geeks like, yeah, like, <laughs> see you later let's go win the game yeah. i love Thanks it man support. uh an unbelievable uh an unbelievable run i mean 
everyone goes into Worlds thinking they're going to win, but you guys had the hardest possible path. You beat seeds one, two, and three. Uh, you had the hardest possible path last year, I would say. Um, and that's two years in a row. Uh, so now all you need to do is win a third year in a Rose app and, and you're the greatest ADC to ever play. Easy for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, my team just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we just, uh, we take, we spend all year making the same mistakes, you know, like whether it's not grouping up, chasing kills, um, when we pick low pressure, not giving stuff up, dying to ganks, all this, like all this, like just nonsense ways to fall behind. And then it's, it's, it's frustrating as the year goes on because we know how to win, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons why Sam left is because like our year is not like roses, you know what I mean? It's a struggle all year for us. Mm -hmm. Both years it's been the same. Uh, we just keep making those kind of dumb mistakes to come world's time. We don't really make those mistakes. Everyone's like, okay, all right now, you know, play patient. Uh, you know, if they're admitting <laughs> above, don't, don't, uh, fight, you know, give it up. You know, we only fall like 2k behind. It's fine. You know, everyone just turns it on and that's not how we are during the, during the year. Right. So, um, it's just funny. And we, we all know how to win. We all know like the fundamentals and how to win smite games. And, uh, we just, uh, we forget about it during the year. We bring it up during Worlds, and that's kind of why like, we have these kind of runs. Hey, you make it more exciting that way, and you bust yeah. a lot of brackets. You, uh, you make seating kind of go out the window. Um, guys, that, uh, we're actually over time by, by a lot already because we've been talking about a, such a great event. Um, but normally, you know, we end with a little bit of a, of a random question, but w I was thinking the whole week about, first of all, how robbed we were of the unbelievable energy that would have been Oh my god! In the arena during that, every set I feel like would have had uh, like when you uh, when Scary picked Achilles in uh, yeah. in one of those games, I was like, dude, the crowd would have gone absolutely nuts uh, in that moment just for him picking his signature pick back on the world stage. Such a shame that uh, the, the the Cobb crowd couldn't have been there for what was in my mind the best worlds we've ever had in terms of uh, the game quality and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But. Um, what uh, what did you guys miss the most from uh, from a normal world championship to this year? Barra, I'm going to make you go first because you're on the show all the time. Uh, definitely fan interaction, because uh, I feel like every year I spend as much time I can with my fans and just getting to meet everyone or seeing like the same faces that have come to like several worlds. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm just going to keep going, but like, just going around the event, whether it's at DreamHack or at Cobb, is just, it's a, just a different energy. Like, it is literally the best experience if you're a Smite fan to just go to a world championship and just be around people that love Smite as much as you do. Yeah. And just being around the energy, being around the fans, and there's nothing like it. And it is my favorite experience every year. And I think that's why this loss didn't hurt that much, because I was just like, yeah, it's not too bad. Like, I kind of enjoyed playing, you know? It was, yeah. it was a fun event. And I think if it was at Worlds and then you have so many fans coming up and it's, they're all like, sorry you lost, man. Better luck next year. And, like, the 20th, like, sorry you lost, man. Just like, oh. Stop. Yeah, I'm good now. Sorry, I let you down. You better come with a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, please take the pain away. Like, oh. Yep. Yeah, uh, Zap, for you, besides getting tons of free drinks from APAM, uh, what, what do you miss about Worlds? 
I mean, that's it, really. No, uh, <laughs> no definitely, definitely embarrassed. It, the atmosphere is the biggest thing for me, right? Like, no. there's like something in the air when you get on stage. You know, you're like breathing different air. I don't even know what to tell you. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. You know, when you're about to make a play, there's like a slight delay, and you know, you're like, yeah, let me hear it. You know, <laughs> right? right? And it's just the atmosphere. Then afterwards, you talk to a bunch of the fans that you've talked to all year. And if you stream or you, you know, you do content, like you, you put names to faces and it's just such an incredible experience and you're just around everyone that loves the same things you do. You can talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to sum it up to one word, I'd say it's the atmosphere. Yeah. Big, big agree for me, of course. The other thing I, I tweeted about it, um, but uh, just being able to like watching cherries cam and like knowing that that was adapting last SPL game and like, oh, you know, not being able to go up to the boys and, you know, obviously I'm not going to talk to them about the set or anything like that, but just like, you know, given, given Mike, who, who's one of my best friends, uh, being able to give Mike a hug after a tough set and be like, Hey man, you know, it's all right. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I missed, I missed that level of just being connected with the players. Um, and also being like, I felt like I was going into this meta more blind than usual because normally on the lead up and that kind of stuff, I get a chance to like sit and talk with people um, I just miss being able to connect with everybody and uh, kind of get everyone excited. Dude, all the season eight reveals would have been so sick at Cobb yeah. because all that kind of stuff. Speaking of which, by the way, um, the, our next few episodes, I think we're going to go. And this is all news to Barra because it, it just came into my brain. Um, I think we should kind of go roll by roll and take a look at um, for the new season eight stuff and see what, you know, the new starter items are for that role, how the map plays, uh, expectations mm -hmm. for that. Maybe we'll bring people on for each role. Zap, if you want, you can come on and talk about how hunters didn't get buffed enough. Um, and how you, know what you get if you bring me on the show, <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about how thorns didn't get nerfed enough and nothing matters. Um, but all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the, uh, the game plan for, for the future here. But, um, zap congratulations again, from from no worlds just two years ago no worlds finals appearances the two rings back to back it's uh it's been a pretty good run for you is it the same it's been finger? a struggle no, no you go you go well, I, I have two ring fingers you know <laughs> <laughs> listen if you got to move the wedding ring a little bit i'm sure floor yeah, like would understand you know <laughs> i'm sure she would get it uh thanks for watching everybody make sure you guys are following prediction on all the podcasts that they have give us a rating all that kind of good stuff and uh, and we will see you next time to talk a little bit about season eight. Barra, do the thing. Bye. Not bad. Thank you. First one back. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.